Today's message is entitled, Write the Letter. It will be in 2 Timothy. You know, back in the day, letter writing was a, was a big deal. That's how people communicated. I, I know when I was in college and I would get a, a letter from home, how exciting that was to uh, hear from the folks, if you would. But today we don't do much of that with the use of cell phones and emails and text messages and Instagram and Facebook. We put all that stuff out there like that. We don't write many letters. And it's almost like it's a, it's a, dying, a dying art. And that really is, is a shame. Today we're going to look at uh, one of the letters that Paul wrote Timothy. Paul wrote Timothy two letters. And uh, we're going to look at... Uh, Part of, part of one today. We'll be in 2 Timothy chapter 1, and it's almost as if it's a letter within a letter, if you would. And we're going to look at these 12 verses and try to pull something from it that would encourage us along our walk, just as Paul was trying to encourage Timothy. Uh, I believe he also can encourage us as we walk the Christian walk. You know, Paul's writing this letter in, to Timothy, and he's sitting in jail. Uh, He's waiting his execution, and uh, he's writing Timothy, and he he wants to encourage Timothy, and and, uh, uh, so he sends Timothy this this letter, and he's telling Timothy, he said, man, he says, uh, he says, Timothy said, uh, man, just keep, I want to remind you, just keep pursuing the the Christian walk. Don't, don't, Don't get sidetracked, don't be going off on any false kind of doctrines, but Timothy, I just want to encourage you, man, just stay straight with the faith, man. Keep living the godly life. And then he would tell him, tell Timothy at least, keep preaching the word. In 2 Timothy, he reminding Christians also to, to live the, the Christian life. And he, and he said there's going to be times when it's going to be difficult, and there's going to be suffering, and there could be persecution, he would say. But remember, there is a future glory. There is a, a home in heaven, if you would, which, which will be our reward someday. So believers, just keep, keep staying, keeping the faith, keep staying in there. And, and he's reminding Timothy, and he's reminding us of, of what, what blessings we have just because we are, we are being born again. You know, Timothy really needed that. Uh, Timothy needed this reminder. Timothy was a, was a guy, he was, he was very timid and very shy. Uh, that just was his personality. Uh, uh, it was believed that he had some sort of a physical ailment that uh, uh, probably lent to his uh, shyness and being timid. Uh, he, his personality was such that people seemed at times to take advantage of him. And, and uh, I, I mean, you know those kind of personalities. He was, he was a pastor at the, at the Ephesians uh, Baptist Church, if you would, and, and he had trouble exerting his authority and, and, and really being that stand-up guy. He'd rather be at the back of the, back of the church than in the front of the church. And, and that, was just, that was just Timothy. So he needed this reminder that Paul's going to give him. And we're going to look at that reminder as Paul writes this letter to him. And, and hopefully that we can pull something out of this letter that, uh, that will encourage you and I to continue to walk the Christian walk, if you would. So in 2 Timothy... Uh, verses 1 and 2, I want to start there, and then we will, we will proceed on, if you will. In verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul, oftentimes when he wrote letters to people and to congregations, 
he would refer to himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. He says, but not my will, but the will of God. Paul knew who he was. Paul knew who he was before he was a born-again believer. And Paul is not telling, trying to say that I am a self-proclaimed apostle, that I am better than anybody else, that I have chosen this path. But he always comes back to by the will of God. God is the one who put him in this position. God is the one who empowers him. It's, it's not all about him. And Paul wants to make that crystal clear to, to those folks after the reading of this letter. said, anything that I do, it all comes from the power of God and through the grace of of God. So it's not about me. I'm not proclaiming myself. I am just uh, shouting to the world what God has done in my life. And then you look at the second part of that, of that first verse, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. Paul knew that his death was, was imminent. He, he knew that he probably would not get out of this Roman prison. And in one side of the coin, he would be excited about that just for the fact that he was going to be with Jesus sooner than probably what he anticipated that uh, uh, he had a home in heaven and he was looking forward to that. But the struggle Paul would have, and many of us would have, is the fact that I am going to be leaving my friends. I will be leaving Timothy. I will be leaving others in the ministry. And and I struggle with that because I I want to continue to encourage them. I want to continue to to help them. So as Paul was writing this, and and according to the promise of life, he knew he had life. He knew he he had abundant life. But he also knew he was here on this earth also to encourage other believers. And he's writing this in verse 2 to Timothy, his beloved friend. Uh, This fellowship, this relationship they had was very much like a father-son relationship. They had been on missionary trips together. They had experienced the highs of ministry. They have experienced the lows of ministry. And, and, And through those experiences, they were just bonded together. And there was just something about this friendship. It was Paul being the older guy, the, the, the mentor, the tutor, if you would, and Timothy being the one, the sponge, who was trying to soak it all up. And, and because of that, this relationship grew, and they had such a love for each other. And, and, and Paul wants to encourage Timothy along the way. Remember, Paul is sitting in a cold, dark, damp prison. And if you can kind of just picture that in your mind, and there he is, and probably there wasn't much light in this prison, and, and his mind begins to wander, and he begins to think, and, and, and he's thinking about Timothy, his, his, his good friend, and, and, and what Timothy will be experiencing uh, once Paul is no longer here. And, and Paul begins to pen these words and, the, and this encouragement to Timothy, and and I, you can just you can just see him sitting there in this in this prison, thinking about his buddy and what he wants to tell him. And man, what can I tell him that will will keep him encouraged, even if I'm no longer here? So that's kind of what we're going to look at here in these next few verses. Uh, four things that Paul is going to tell Timothy to encourage him, to keep him strong in the faith. And I believe he's telling you and I the very same thing about what we can do. So the title of the lesson is write the letter and and. And, and maybe somewhere down the road, you need, you need to write a letter to somebody else. Just like Paul wrote a letter to Timothy for encouragement, maybe, maybe you and I need to write a letter, if you will, to somebody, encouraging them along the way. I think the first thing that we will see here in this message is, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. We, we read this in verse 3. Where, where Paul says, he says, I thank God 
whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. And then verse 4, longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. As Paul's writing this letter, the first thing he does, he says, I want to thank God. I'm sure he was thanking God for his his deliverance, thanking God for his salvation, thanking God for his ministry, thanking God for all the blessings that, that he had bestowed upon, upon Paul. But I also think he was thanking, thanking God for Timothy. I'm thinking, I think he was thanking God that, that man, Timothy, thank you for bringing Timothy into my life. I thank you for the, the good that we've had, the struggles that we had. Thank you that I'm able to pour into to Timothy. And he said, man, I just want to thank, thank you, God, for, for that relationship and that friendship and all the way that you have blessed me. Father God, I just want to thank you. Man, what a, what a great way to start out a prayer, just being so thankful for what God has done in your life. I believe that's what Paul was doing. And then he says in that, in that third verse, the next thing he says, he says, whom I serve with a clear conscience. Whom I serve with a clear conscience. You know, if, 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 if any preacher and any missionary had, had a right to have, a, have a, a difficult conscience, if you would, it would be Paul. Because you knew what Paul did in his early life before he was ever saved. You knew what he did. I mean, he hunted down Christians and had them killed. I mean, until God got a hold of him and changed his life, that was his profession. And, and he said, you know, I know I've been saved from that. And he's reminding Timothy of that. I've been saved from that past. No matter what I did in the past, whatever I've done, he says, I have been saved from that. I have been forgiven from that. And my conscience is clear. I don't have to think about and worry about those things that I did because I know that God has forgiven me. Thus, I can go preach the message. Paul would say, you know, I had this clear conscience. And he says, you know, when I was preaching and when I was ministering, I didn't water the gospel down. I didn't, didn't preach it in order to make people happy. He said, I talked about what was needed. I talked about God who loves you and, and Jesus who died for you and that how every person needs to repent of those sins. He said, I never watered that down, and I know it wasn't a popular message in many places that I preached at. But he said, I have a good conscience that I, that I never watered it down. I never shortchanged it. I never preached to the, to the public so that they would enjoy what the message was because he said, that's not, that's not the gospel. And he said, I have a good conscience because of that, that I stayed to faith, kept strong in what I'm doing. And then he would say, I, have, I am not ashamed of that. I am not ashamed of that. Timothy, he says, you don't need to be ashamed of that, Timothy. Timothy, you can preach with a conscience. Timothy, you can not water the gospel down. Timothy, don't just think of what people want to hear, but tell them what they need to hear. Because that is what I've done. So I have this conscience, and I want to give that to you, that encouragement that no matter what, you preach the gospel like the gospel is supposed to be preached. And don't be ashamed of anything that you say along those lines. And then he says, and this is the point I guess I want to get on this first point. He says, I constantly remember you in my prayers day and night. Paul says, I'm praying for you all the time. Now, what a great thing. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having the Apostle Paul praying for you? Wow. Kind of like maybe having a Billy Graham be praying for you. 
I mean, that's, that's powerful. I mean, James 5, 6 says this, the effective prayer of a righteous man, what? Accomplishes much. Paul is praying for Timothy. There is no greater thing that you can do for a person than this to take his name into the throne room of grace. I bet Paul was praying for, for endurance for Timothy, for strength, for faithfulness. I believe Paul was probably uh, preaching, uh, praying for, for Timothy for protection, either physical protection, spiritual protection. I'm sure Paul was, was praying for him that when he spoke and when he preached and he, when he witnessed, that it wasn't just his words that were going out, but those words that he was speaking had divine power that only, only the Holy Spirit can give. Man, what a, what a great thing. You, what a blessing it is, is it not? When somebody says, man, I'm praying for you. And you know that they really are. You know, sometimes I know when we see things on Facebook and stuff and, and we have a whole list of folks that, that, you know, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. And, and, and there's times I wonder, are they really praying for them? Or is that just a phrase that we give to them? Man, I, I, I hope that, that we are people of prayer. That when we say, I'm going to pray for you, I'm going to take your name to the throne room of grace, that we really do it. And you know, sometimes that's about all we can do. Not, not to belittle that, but that's all we can do. I know when I speak to uh, uh, my, my pastor friends in Zimbabwe, 14,000 miles away, you know, what can I do to help them? Well, I can pray for them. And when I tell them I'm praying for them, I am, and they're excited about that. And when they tell me that they're praying for me and this church here, Arapahoe First, I said, that's exciting to me. No greater thing to be able to do than to pray for people. And then in verse 4, he says, man, I long to see you. Timothy, I just long to see you. Man, I just, I, I remember when we left and we had, had those tears of joy, but we, we left and we were emotional. And man, I can't wait to see you again. That's Paul telling Timothy. Man, uh, what a great thing. Paul, Paul was saying, man, I'm going to pray for you. I'm so thankful for you. Timothy, live the life and preach the word with a clear conscience. And man, I just long to see you. I don't know about you, but that would be an encouragement. If somebody was to tell me that, man, I would be completely encouraged in the, in, in the faith, knowing that they were praying for me and they longed to see me again. And man, what I do, I can do with a clear conscience, knowing that I have been forgiven. I think the second thing that we can pull from, from his letter here, and that is we have the ability to stay faithful. Paul is telling Timothy, stay faithful. We read in verse 5. He says, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, Paul says, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. Paul reminds Timothy that you have a real and sincere faith. The faith that you have is real. And he says, you know, you came from a godly family. Your grandmother and your mother taught you the scriptures, lived the scriptures out in front of you, left you a legacy of, of uh, Christian ministry, if you would. He said, I know where you have come from, and I know the background, and I know what they gave to you. Paul, I know your faith is real, and your faith is sincere. Timothy, I know that you have listened to me and listened to other apostles and tried to 
uh, learn from them and to walk the walk and, and talk the talk. And, and, and Timothy, you've had many opportunities of service here. Timothy, son, you can do this. You can do this. Your faith is real. Your faith is sincere. You have seen what it means to live the Christian walk. You can do this. You have that power and the strength in your life to be able to do what God has called you to do. Stay faithful, my friend, he would say. But he also would say, as we look at verse 6, sometimes life is not easy. Sometimes I know life is a struggle. Sometimes a Christian walk can be difficult. Sometimes I know that that people kind of give up sometimes and they want to quit the walk and they want to just go in a different direction because it just doesn't seem to to fit with them. Timothy, you have a sincere faith, but but I know it's hard. Timothy, what what do you do when it gets hard and the struggle gets real? Where do you go? Paul tells him in verse 6, and he's telling us also in verse 6, in those times when it's, when it's a struggle and, and we don't want to, and we're, we just don't seem to be very close to the Lord. In verse 6, Paul tells him this. He says, For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Kindle afresh the gift of God. I think another way to phrase that is to fan the flames, if you would, of your walk. I know this summer we went to uh, Beaver's Bend. And they had a fire put out there where we were staying. And, and we wanted to have a, have a fire for the, for the wieners and, and the marshmallows. And, and so we got the wood stacked up there. And it was... You know, it was it was a little bit wet. It rained that day, so it was going to be a hard time getting that fire started. And, and we'd, we'd get the little kindling there, and we had the big big logs there, and we'd get the little kindling kind of going, and we'd, we would we kind of blow on it, and we'd kind of fan it, you know, to get it going, and the flame would kind of just come up, and then it would die back down, and we'd put some more little branches on there and do the same thing, kind of blow on it, kind of getting fanning the flame, if you would, and... And, and finally, we got, got the little branches going, and, and, and the big logs kind of took off, and, and we had a great, a great fire for a little while. But you know how, what happens. Sometimes that fire kind of goes down, and then it becomes just the embers, and there's no really big fire going. You have a log that's, that's burning, but it's not really much of a fire. Well, you can't roast marshmallows on that, so we would, uh, had, to, had to fan the flames again. So we would fan the flames and we'd blow on it and all of a sudden, poof, this big flame would come up and man, it'd last a while. And I think that is what Paul is trying to tell Timothy here. Fan the flames of your faith. Uh, rekindle, if you would, the, 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 the gift that God has given you. Rekindle that fire that you have for the, for the Lord. Because I know sometimes it, it'll disappear and it'll be, it'll be weak. But he said, man, fan those flames. Get that fire going back again. You know, Timothy, you and I, don't neglect your spiritual life. That's what he's telling him. He said, don't neglect your spiritual life. People will try to intimidate you sometimes, Timothy. People will put you down, Timothy. People will cause you to be discouraged. And he's saying, man, don't forget your spiritual life. How do we fan those flames of our lives? 
Well, staying in His Word is number one, I think. Reading and meditating on His Word. Finding out what God's Word says and meditating on that, chewing on that, and putting that in, in ourselves so that we can know it and we can remember it. I think we can fan the flames of our, of our, of our life, of our spiritual life through prayer. You know, praying, you know, seeking God's face, if you would, seeking His will in your life. I mean, uh, praying when you don't want to pray, praying when it doesn't feel right, praying when you disagree with what's going on in your life. And you take it to the throne room and you tell God, I don't like this, I disagree with this, but God, I know that you're God and I'm not. And Father, I want to submit to your will and, 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 and just the very fact that you're being honest with God, spending time with Him in prayer, will, uh, will get that fire going, will, will fan the flames of your, of your spiritual life. Just spending time with Him and talking to Him and being honest with Him. It is also being thankful Remembering what God has done in your life. Remembering the blessings that He's given to you. And as we start doing that kind of stuff, we spend time in His Word and we're, we're talking to Him and we're, we're now trying to get back to a disciplined uh, spiritual life and we're so thankful and we are blessing and we count our blessings, if you would. I can promise you that is a way to kindle the, the fire of your life by not neglecting your spiritual life, but going back to that and spending time with the Lord. And getting to know him again. And Paul's telling Timothy and he's telling us, man, when a struggle comes, I know the faith is there in you. I know it's real. I know it's real in your folks, in your lives today. But when it starts going out, the fire goes out, fan those flames. Get back to doing what you know to do. And the Bible says you will then rise up and that fire will be going again, burning brighter than it ever has. Paul's telling Timothy, man, I'm praying for you. He said, man, I want you to stay faithful in no matter what's happening in your life. I think the third thing that he's telling us here in these verses is don't be afraid and don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid, don't be afraid, uh, ashamed. Verse 7. Now, this is a verse that maybe some of you know and maybe have memorized. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind or or discipline. You know, fear is not from God. Did you know that? Fear is from the enemy. We have strength and we have power and we have faith to overcome the fears that we have. Timothy, you know what you've been called to do. Believer, you know what you've been called to do. And Paul is reminding him that there's no fear in that that He will give you everything you need in order to accomplish whatever He's called you accomplished. Because you see, there's no fear in the Lord, and He gives us power, He gives us love, and He gives us a sound mind. He gives us the power, Paul would say, to do whatever God has told us to do. Whatever He's called us to do, whatever it is a job around the church, it is to sing, to preach, to teach, to do, to fix, whatever. If God's called you to do that, He will give you the power to be able to do that. And then it says He'll give you the love, the love for God and the love for mankind, for others. I mean, that's the, the, uh, the first commandment, is it not? To love God and to love others. He said, I will give you the love that you need, the power you need, the love you need. And then He said, I will give you a sound mind or a disciplined mind. 
Timothy, God has given you the ability to think. He's given you the ability to acquire knowledge. And when you ask God for wisdom, he'll give you wisdom, the Bible says. So Timothy, you and I out here said, when you're looking for a direction, when you're wanting an answer, Paul would say, Timothy, God has given you what you need. He's given you a sound mind. He's given you the knowledge. He's given you the wisdom. And now he's going to tell you to make the, the right decision the based, based on what I have done for you and what I have given to you. Don't be afraid, Timothy. Don't be afraid, believers. Because that's not from God. And God's given you all the power, all the love, all the sound mind you need in order to be, to be successful and to go in the direction that he's called us to go. I think the second part of that is in verse 8. Where he says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, or of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Paul has told him not to be afraid. He's also told him not to be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. Timothy, do not be ashamed of the gospel. Timothy, every person needs the gospel. Every person needs to hear that God loves them. And every person needs to hear that Jesus died for them. And, and everyone needs to hear that we, have, we, we need to repent of our sins and, and accept Christ as Lord and Savior. Timothy, don't ever be ashamed of that. That is the greatest story in the history of stories. That is the greatest news in the history of the world is that God loved them and Jesus died for them. Don't be ashamed of that. Timothy, keep speaking it, Timothy. Keep preaching it, Timothy. Keep teaching it, Timothy. Keep living it, Timothy. And I believe as, as Paul is encouraging Timothy to do those things, he's encouraging us to keep doing the same thing. Do not be ashamed of this gospel that we've got because it is the greatest news in the history of the world. God loves them and Jesus died for him. Well, I would never be ashamed of the gospel. I would never do that. Well, shame is manifested in silence. Let me say that again. Shame is manifested in silence. When we're at work and people are talking and we are engaged with people and they're speaking of other things that are not good, sinful things, and we sit in silence and we just listen, that is a form of shame. When we're at school and, and kids are talking and doing all kinds of things and telling, telling all kinds of uh, dirty jokes or whatever and speaking things and, and we sit there and we just listen and we, we sit in silence. That is a form of shame. Paul tells Timothy, don't do that. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. And in verses 9 and 10, he tells Timothy why we should not be ashamed of the gospel. Because in verse 9, he tells us, he said, we have been saved because of the gospel. We have been chosen because of the gospel. God extended grace to us because of the gospel. In verse 10, he says, he has abolished death because of that. He has given us life because of the gospel. He has given us eternal life, immortality, if you would, because of the gospel. Paul's telling Timothy, hey, look what he's done for us. 
And he's telling you and I the same thing to encourage us. Look what he's done for us. Look what he's done for you in your life. Don't be ashamed of that because he has saved you. And he's given you eternal life because of it. Never be ashamed of the gospel. He would encourage him with that. And then the second part of that verse, uh, he says, um, uh, Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Or of me, his prisoner. Paul says, Timothy, don't be ashamed that I'm a prisoner. Don't be ashamed of that. Believer, don't be ashamed to be associated with other Christians. Don't be ashamed to be associated with other believers. Don't be ashamed that you belong to the First Baptist Church of Arapahoe or wherever that you, you belong to. Don't be ashamed of that. Don't be ashamed to be identified as a believer. Paul said, don't be ashamed that I'm a prisoner. Right. You and I don't be ashamed that we are a, a believer in Jesus Christ. Don't ever be ashamed with that. So Paul is telling Timothy, he's telling us, he said, man, I'm praying for you. I really am. He said, man, I, I want you to stay faithful in your walk with the Lord. He says, you don't have to ever be afraid because of a fear doesn't come from God. You don't have to be ashamed of the gospel because it is a power of God unto salvation to all who believe, to the Jew first and then the, and then the Gentile. Never be ashamed of that. And then I think the fourth thing that, he, that he's going to put in this letter that I think that we need to know, and it's God's got this, <laughs> okay? God's got this. And we go down to verse 12 where it says this. He says, For this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. That kind of reminds me of a song somewhere, doesn't it? For this reason, I suffer these things, and I am not ashamed. What did, what did Paul suffer? <laughs> Paul suffered numerous beatings, uh, numerous being shipwrecked. He suffered, he suffered prison, I don't know how many times, being in prison. He suffered loneliness. He suffered hunger. He was attacked violently as he walked the streets in, in, in many cities. He was rejected and he was criticized. I don't know about you, but that's, that's kind of a tough life. And Paul says, he, he says, I suffer these things, but I am not ashamed of that. I am not sorry those things that happened to me. I, 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 I take it and I understand it and I'm going to... I'm going to go with it. Hmm. Man, what a, what a great encouragement there. No matter what happens, Paul says, in his life, I'm not ashamed of it. What are those things that, that he entrusted to God? He says, for I know whom I have believed, and that is, that is God and Jesus Christ. And I am convinced that God, Christ, is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. wonder what what Paul entrusted to the Lord. Well, I think he entrusted his eternal security, number one, don't you think? That when he accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior, he has a home and glory, and he trusts 
in God to make that happen. John 10, 29 says, My Father who has given them to me is more powerful than all. No one will snatch them out of my Father's hand. That's eternal security. Paul entrusted his eternal security to his Holy Father. I think the second thing that he entrusted was his present life. His life right now. I mean, you know, God's, God's Word tells us He's going to give us, we have the right to have an abundant life, a life more abundant, it tells us. But I think in Romans 8, 28, it kind of summed up Paul's, as Paul's writing to us, and it sums up his, his, his present day attitude about life as it is right now. Where he says, and we know, and we know, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love the Lord, who are called according to His purpose. When Paul looked at his sufferings and looked at his hardships and he, and he saw what was going on in his life, he said, you know, I know God's going to take that. And he's going to work all of that out for my good and for his glory. And Paul would entrust his present life, no matter what was happening, entrust it to God. And God was going to make sure that whatever happened was his good and for God's glory. Man, what, a, what an attitude that we ha- can have just from, from reading that and seeing that. I think, I think a third thing that, that Paul might have entrusted to the Lord is his future rewards. His future rewards. In Romans eight eighteen it says this, For I consider the suffering of this present age are not worthy to be compared to the glory that God will re- reveal to us one day. Wow. The sufferings that I'm going on right now, I know one day God's going to reward me for that. Hebrews 6:10 says this, God is not unjust as to forget the love and the work that you have shown to his name in ministering and having ministered to the saints. God is not going to forget, Paul would write, what he, what you are doing for him today. And I he said I entrust that. I know whatever reward I get I know that it's going to be right. I know what I do right now, God is going to, He sees it, and He knows it, and He will not forget it. My works won't get me to heaven, but my works will, will get me rewarded one day, Paul would say. Man, He entrusted, did He not, His eternal security, His life now as He was living, and He entrusted God that He would take care of His future and His future rewards. Man. What a good God that we serve. As we look at this four points to this letter, and as Paul is encouraging Timothy along the way, he's also encouraging you and I as he has written this letter. What an encouragement. Man, I am praying for you. I am praying for you. I can, I can tell you every person... Uh, in this room, in this auditorium on a Sunday morning have been prayed for. We've got people praying for all the rest of us here. You have been prayed for. I can promise you that. We, have, we can be faithful in the way we serve the Lord. And in those days, in those times when it's a struggle, Paul tells us to do what? Fan the flames. Rekindle the fire, if you would, of our faith. No need to be afraid of what's going on. No need to be ashamed of the gospel. Because no matter what's going on in our lives, 
God's got it. God's going to take it and God's going to use it. And he's going to mold it and shape it into something good for us, teaching us what we need to know, uh, taking away maybe some pride that we have, whatever it is. God's going to do it for our good and for his glory. So, that's the letter that Paul wrote. I, I pray that it is an encouragement to you. I pray that you'll go back and, and read that. Uh, but, but more than just an encouragement for, for you, I, I would encourage you to write somebody else a letter. Write somebody else uh, that needs encouraging. You know, somebody in our church, you know, uh, shoot them a line and say, man, I'm praying for you. Man, I'm, I'm praying for you. Man, I, and I know life can be hard, but man, I, here's how you can stay Here's how you can stay faithful, if you would. I, I know you haven't, we haven't seen you in church for a while, but man, here's what we need to do. Man, let's fan that flame again. I, I know you have a faith. I know it's sincere. Man, let's just start fanning that flame. Let's do these things that, that can get you going, man. And don't, don't be afraid. I mean, God's going God's to take care of all this in your life. So as we begin uh, the invitation time, uh, man, I would just encourage you to... to to think about what Paul wrote to Timothy because he's writing it to you and I. I mean, he is, he is telling us, this is the encouragement I want to give you. I'm writing this letter to you. Uh, I would encourage you to write the letter to someone that maybe needs it. May God bless you today. May God bless the reading of the Word. May God bless you and keep you safe as we are on this journey for the Lord.